Saturday week ago, last yesterday a week ago, I was having a, my quiet time. I'd like it to get a bit noisy sometimes. And I was reading the word. And after I had read the word, I think I was meditating and praying. When all of a sudden, there was an explosion in my left hand. Caught my attention, as you can imagine. And of course, what I was amazed was there was no damage. It really felt like an explosion. And yet there was no damage to the skin, no blood. And I thought, this is happening in my time waiting on the Lord. What is the Lord trying to say? What's he trying to do? I'm not the one for just chasing fanciful stuff. Wasn't seeking anything like that. But is it an indication that God can do things to get our attention and God can do things to shake us up and to stretch our limits because I think that's what he wants to do today through the ministry of the word. We're into a new series called Staying Power. Staying Power. Do you understand what that means? Some people may not even understand that term, staying power. Have you got staying power? You see these horses who run long distance races and they raise them as stayers. They're given a diet and they're trained to run and run long and run constantly, regularly. And that seems to be what God is saying to us as a church, what the Lord has given Mark for this first segment of our church in the way of a title, staying power. And this morning I have been given the task of taking the segment which has been titled Courage versus Faint-Heartedness. Courage versus Faint-Heartedness. Father, in the name of Jesus, we release ourselves to you. We say, have your way. Make us stayers. Give us the courage, Lord, to go for gold. Give us the courage, Lord, to press in for all that you have for us. In Jesus' name, drive out the apathy and, Lord, fill us with courage as we seek you and put our attention on you and what you are saying today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. glory to God. Thank you. In Luke chapter 18, verses 1 to 5, we read a small parable that Jesus shared. And I'll read it to you from a more simple version. One day Jesus told his disciples a story to illustrate their need for constant prayer and to show them they must never give up. He said, There was a judge in a certain city who was a godless man with great contempt and despised to look down on everyone. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly, appealing for justice against someone who had harmed her. The judge ignored her for a while, but eventually she wore him out. I fear neither God nor man, he said to himself. 
going on from verse 5. But this woman is driving me crazy. But this woman is driving me crazy. Sometimes we have to be driven to that state to do something. Sometimes we've got to be driven to certain uh, temperament. We have to get into certain situations to get to us, to get us stirred up because we're too, dil- what's the word, dilatory. We're too casual. We take it easy. So realise that in life circumstances, God can be stirring our nest to get us on flying, to get us moving, to bring us into a new dimension because we do become complacent. We settle down. But God wants us to keep on growing. Let me go on. This man, judge, went, went on to say, I'm going to see that she gets justice because that's what judges try to dish out. Because she is wearing me out with a constant request. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this evil judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. Notice that. Jesus said, learn a lesson from this evil judge. God will pick anything to get to you. And me. Sometimes we've got it all worked out. Well, God will work and God will talk and God will do it this way. You know, this is the way I want it, you know. But he's not going to always obey your schedule and your temperament and and the way you like things being done. Get ready for, as they say, for your cage to get rattled. I tell you what, in the light of what Pastor Mark's been sharing with us this morning, we ought to all get prepared for our cage to be rattled. There are big days ahead. We don't know what is ahead, but we know there are, there are troublesome times. And God wants his plan to be fulfilled. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this evil judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. Evil people don't normally form just decisions. But on this occasion, the judge did. So don't you think God will surely give you justice to his chosen people who plead with him day and night? Jesus is saying that. Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. I think that just slipped off. Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. And then he concluded the parable with these words, But when I, the Son of Man, return, how many will I find who have faith? How many will I find who have faith? Why did Jesus tell this parable? Because he wanted to get to the real hard issue. If you want things to change, it's going to take heart commitment. If if you want change, you want things to change, you want God to really be in your life, then I say you will need commitment 
with courage. And that's the why, that is why many of us don't advance to new levels and bigger levels and stronger levels and more effective levels is because we don't have the courage and we ought to face up to it. We're weak need. We're not prayerful people. We're not people who fast. We're not the people who rend the heavens to bring the blessing of God down. We just want it easy. We want, we want God to fulfill our, fill in our, you know, fill in and work with our program. Oh, no, no, no. God can't take half a day a week. He can't take some hours at night instead of my sleeping. You know, we've got it all worked out. And God says to us through Jesus, will he find the kind of faith that he's looking for when he returns to the earth? Will he find it? So what do you think he's suggesting here? Will Jesus find people who were like this humble woman, the widow, Will he find people who are so tenacious in getting the promises of God working in their lives and seeing blessing and seeing souls saved and that kind of thing that they are prepared to make the effort? Prepared to make the effort. I believe we're coming to that stepping stone. God is challenging us. There's been some very deep cutting messages through Pastor Mark in recent weeks. Why is that? Because God is stirring him so he will stir us. And the word of God is coming to prepare us for the effort that we have to make. I believe the message this morning that I've been allotted has something to do with that. Jesus said in the beginning of the parable, men ought always to pray and not to faint. I think in the version that we read, it said, must never give up to illustrate their need for constant prayer and to show them that they must never give up. And the old King James Version says, not faint. Not faint. Keel over. When the pressure's on, nowhere to be found. Fallen over, fallen out of line. So what is opposite to faint? Do you know clearly in your mind the opposite to faint? Or to lose heart is the other rendition of the New King James Version. To lose heart. What would you do if you lost heart? You wouldn't do what you were told to do or you wouldn't be prepared to, to go on the mission or something like that. You just, it, you, it's like the blood's run out of you. You've just got no life. You've got no commitment to do it. And the third thing is in the New, New Living Translation, it uses the words give up. Well, that's, a, that's what happens. A person gives up. They lose heart. Virtually they faint. They're useless on the job because they can't do it. So what does the opposite mean? Jesus is looking for people, the head of the church is looking for people who will persist. And persist is a word that we seem to picture when, when a person has, uh, what's the word I want? Um, ob- objections, opposition. They've got opposition, but they're keeling in their they are uh, not able to press in. They're not able to break through because there's opposition. But they have to persist if they're going to do the job, get it done. Another time, it can be just plain survival. Ever been in the ocean swimming and then the waves start to come in such a formation that there's a big undertow and in- instead of just finding you can go in easy, all of a sudden it's a great big effort. 
You've got to make up your mind. If I'm going to survive here, I'm going to have to persist. I can't afford to give up. I'm going to swim for my life or walk for my life. It also can mean to continue firmly. Not an uneven step. Not a, oh well, two steps forward, three steps back. No, firmly. I'm going forward. I've made up my mind. I've used the word obstinately. To continue firmly or obstinately. I know obstinance is a, or obstinate is not a good word for Christians. But in a way it is when we're fighting the devil and the powers of darkness and our own unbelief. We need to get obstinate and say, you're not going to keel me over. You're not going to prevail. Weakness, you're not going to prevail. I'm not going to be faint-hearted. Bless God. I'm going to the prayer meeting. I'm going to church. Nothing's going to stop me. Glory to God. can also mean to not go away or quit. Hanging in there. If I'm needed, I'll be there. It also means to not forget God's promise. If we forget God's promises, you know, we won't do too much praying. Because it's the promises that give you a foundation to your asking. God lets you know what's available. And he has promised so much in his precious word, hasn't he, beloved? So much. But it's up to us to ask. And Jesus said, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone, he went on to say, he's trying to get the message, for everyone that asketh, receiveth. And everyone who seeketh, findeth. And to those who knock, it shall be opened. So Jesus writing out the blank check, as it were. Come on. Now it's up to you. Do you want it? Do you want the blessings? Do you want to participate in the bounty of the Heavenly Father's kingdom? Do you want what he's offering? Do you want what Jesus has purchased by his shed blood and his resurrection? Hallelujah. We also have to not only forget uh, not forget God's promises, but we have to keep asking and thanking God because that's what Jesus said. Keep on asking. Keep on asking. Don't quit. Don't faint. I just want to share this. That I think love for God is the key. I know we're to, I'm speaking about courage. I believe the greatest force that will help us to be courageous is knowing the love of God. Knowing the love of God for us and what he's done for us and what he's got provided and prepared for us. Love for God is the key. I'm saying to you that religious ritual, forms, even your Spiritual pattern is insufficient for you to prevail and to survive unless all your spiritual duty is springing from love of heart for God. It's got to come from love. Nothing else will survive. Love is as strong as death. Praise God. That's what we need. And sometimes we just put on another little law on our face, another little law on our lives, and we think that'll get us by. We, we have to realise we need a passionate love. A passionate love that moves us to tears in prayer. That moves us to be on time for church. 
that moves us to be at the prayer meeting, to moves us to go to the open air or the street meeting or the railway station at Woodridge on a Saturday night. It, it's love. If you use any other motivation, what is it? It's inferior. Love for God to please Him. Love for people to help save them. Song of Solomon says, For love is as strong as death. Many waters cannot quench love, nor can floods drown it. Well, there will be things that occur in life that can drown our so-called love. And sometimes we have to go deeper. We have to get more passionate. We have to have a time of seeking God. Yes, how long since you had a time of prayer and fasting? A day of fasting or meals left out during the week because you're so convinced you've got to get to a new dimension. You've got to press in. You need a revelation. You need something that shakes your life. Are you sick of just the way you just drift along? Or how long is it since you had a revolutionary experience? How long is it since you fell at the feet of Jesus and just wept? How long? Sometimes we can go for years. And we don't realise how we've just got used to the whole thing. Jesus help us. God gives staying power and courage to those who will press in for it. For God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That can be rendered disciplined mind. So again, if there's no courage, if there's no facing up to our responsibilities, if there's no taking responsibility, then there's going to be a weakness. And we won't have that disciplined mind. Our mind will be all over the place. So we never have a commitment. We need a disciplined mind. We spoke about that in, De- in December. We have to have a mind that's under control, guided by the Word of God, guided by the Holy Spirit so that we do the will of God and just don't waste time. Life is passing. But notice that this verse said, God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity. That's that faint-heartedness. God has not given it to us. So if we're hiding behind, oh, well, I'm just one of those tender souls. You know, I I can't stand the toughness. I I can't stand the war. I can't stand the warfare. I can't stand the fight. I don't like those prayer meetings where they get noisy and really get stuck into the devil. Oh, that's not my seat. Well, friends, you've got to change. Didn't hear an amen. I believe it anyway. Praise God. Because God has not given us the spirit of fear or timidity. He says, get into the fight. Toughen up. Toughen up. Amen? Praise God. Psalm 31 verse 24 says, Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Hallelujah. Take courage. You know, pick your chin up. Don't go down. Hallelujah. Step out. Get involved. Be of good courage. The Lord loves it, see? If you show courage and you press in, it says he'll come to your help. And he will strengthen your heart. So you don't have to worry about the shortage of supply of courage. You don't have to worry about the oversupply of timidity. God can deal with it. Hallelujah. God can change things. But we've got to be willing for the change. He shall strengthen your heart, all you who hope in the Lord. Another version says, be strong and let your heart 
take courage. Your heart, you've got to take it. You see, there's got to be a choice. You can't live with this timidity, with this half-heartedness reigning in your life and want to be strong and courageous. You've got to ditch one or the other. It's, it's got to go. That negative one has got to go. You've got to make room for the courage. He shall strengthen your heart. Psalm 138 verse 3 says, In the day when I cried out, you answered me and made me bold with strength in my soul. Hallelujah. When I cried out, see, God's got it. Are you prepared to cry out for it? Seek God for it. It'll change your life. People say, what's happened to him? What's happened to her? It's just great to see. Praise the Lord. Oh, glory to God. They love to pray in the prayer meeting. Bless God. They love to testify. They love to go to the street meeting. Bless God. Something happens when you have a change of heart and God can strengthen you and change your heart. And mine. Bold with strength in my soul. Hallelujah. See, do you, have you always had trouble in a prayer meeting praying? Out loud. You, you leave it to everybody else because you're a tender soul. You're, you're just one who does not do that. Well, how long is it going to be before you do? It will never occur until you, not God, you have a change of heart. That's it. Testifying in a meeting. You know, it, it's up to you. Do you want to do it? Oh, I'd like to but I'm too afraid. Well, ask God for some help. I mean, see, see, this is the problem. We're all counting on ourselves. We've got to have it. We've got to have the ability. But what did the verses say that we've just read? When I cried out to you, Lord, you gave strength to me. Amen. He's willing to give it to you. And it's exciting. It puts a smile on your face. It makes you happy when you've done something you couldn't do before. Hallelujah. Something you've wanted to do for a long time. Bless God. So give yourself some aids. If you can't pray in public, you think you wouldn't be able to get some words together, well, write a few words to remind you on a piece of paper and have it there. It's not cheating. It's an aid. We're not all blessed with a retentive memory and we can just rattle off words and we're not, you're not preachers. So we understand, but don't think that's a sin. And to testify, just to have a few words, to remind yourself of what you want to say so you don't forget, that's not a sin. Use those things for the blessing of God and defeat the devil, defeat the fear, defeat the half-heartedness. Amen? It, it develop, develop courage, you know. Amen. Praise God. I was uh, reading over Isaiah chapter 40 verses 25 to 31 just recently and Mark mentioned that in the, one of his sermons because he got into that section where wait, it's talked about waiting on the Lord and renewing your strength. Mounting on up as wings of eagles and as, wing, as on wings of eagles and so on. And uh, I read quite a bit of that chapter, verses 25 to 31. And it, it's an invitation. God is saying, I'm a God of might. I, I, I stretched out the heavens. I've done this and I've done that. Wait on me and you'll get strength. Well, what else can he do? He's, he's made it available. He said, come and get it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, to intensify my understanding of that, I, 
Recently, we, Patty and I pulled out a couple of old DVDs and we, read, we watched um, Indescribable by Louis Giglio. And then we, a few days later, we had the other one. So I said, let's put this on. So we watched the one, How Great Is Our God? Friends, by the time you've finished watching that, if you haven't got faith to ask, you, you're, you're nearly dead. You're nearly dead because God shows himself to be so great so wonderful, so powerful, the enormous distances, the light years. They're so fantastic. Our God is great. And he says to his church, I am great. There's no, I don't get weary. I don't need sleep. I'm not like you. Don't trust me to be like you. Trust me to make you like me. Amen. Get strengthened. Get uplifted. Get empowered. But you see, we have to take some initiative. We've got to pluck up some courage. We've got to kick out the old half-heartedness. We've got to kick out the slothfulness. So I recommend those DVDs. Boy, oh boy, they're good. They show us our great God. Now the, script, the scripture tells us in 1 Corinthians sixteen thirteen. it's just a little verse. But I've enlarged it with a few extra words to get the full meaning of it there. And it says, acquit or conduct oneself well. Act like men. Grow in strength. Be courageous. Be valiant and brave. See, I've got everything I can out of that verse to really try and convey what that verse is saying. Because the original authorised version said, Quit yourselves like men. Quit yourselves like men. So that is Paul writing to the church at Corinth and he's saying to them, quit yourselves like men. Acquit or conduct yourself very well. Act like men. In other words, don't be like wimps. Don't be like nervous women. He says, act like men. What do men do? They go to the front line in the war. I'm not having to go at the women, but, you know, we know what life's like. Once upon a time, it was the men who did the fight and at the war. Now they're turning the, turning the women out. I don't know what Paul would say. Quit, quit yourselves like, oh, oh no, 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 that's false doctrine, he'd say. <laughs> quit yourselves like men. God expects a certain character, a temperament, that tenacity of pressing in, getting what God's got for us. To be valiant and brave. They're not your also rans, are they? People who are brave. They do things that, whoa, I couldn't do that. Brave. Put their lives on the line for others. Lifesavers. Ambulance people. Get out there and in the wreck and the mess. Be valiant and brave. Well, we're now changing a little bit in the, the verses we're using. But please hang on to that concept. You are not being trained to be wimps. You are not children of God to be wimps. You are not children of God to let everybody else do the hard yards. You and I are called to battle. You and I are called in Ephesians 6 to put on our armour. You and I... I won't get ahead of myself because it's one of these good verses that's coming up right out of Ephesians 6. 
So we are called to be strong. And in verse 16 of Ephesians 3, it says that we're to be strengthened with might. That word is the Greek word dunamis. And we're to be strengthened with the dunamis, the might of the Holy Spirit. I also want to read to you from chapter 3 of Ephesians because we need to know what kind of might this is. Ephesians 3, 17, 18 and 19. I'll read 16. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might or dunamis through his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Christ dwelling in our hearts by faith. That you being rooted and grounded See, you just can't be loosely planted on the top of the surface. As soon as the wind comes along, you just get swept away. We've got to be rooted and grounded in our faith. Rooted and grounded in Christ. And we may be able to, verse 18, comprehend or apprehend, grasp with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height of this great love. Now, what is Paul doing here? He's introducing us to the love of God. And friends, as I said earlier in the message, it is the love of God that's only going to sustain us. When the, tough, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And they've got to be toughened by this love of God. That's the only thing that can stand the enemy's attacks and all the insults and the pressures that we're going to face, and our own flesh trying to shut us down. We need the love of God flowing in our hearts. So we need to understand the width and length and depth and height. I heard a song this morning. I've heard it many times before, and I've always had a bit of a question mark over it, so please forgive me for expressing a personal opinion, but let it be provocative. But that one song you sung this morning is about I'll never know how much it cost to see my Lord, was it? My sin, my sin upon the cross. If you study those verses and get the meaning of them, those verses are saying that the whole ministry of heaven and Jesus and the Holy Spirit is to open up to you the love of God. To open it up to you so you know it. But you're singing, I'll never know what it cost. Well, you will if you let the Holy Spirit teach you. But if you say, oh, well, I'll never understand the love of God. Friends, we're partaking of the love of God. We've been saved by the love of God. We're going to heaven by the love of God. We've been filled with the Holy Ghost by the love of God. Some of us receive healings by the love of God. And you're going to get to know more of the love of God as God keeps working and you keep tapping in. So don't, please... When you sing it, just keep that reservation in mind. I'm going to know. I'm going to know more of the love of God because that's the whole program of heaven. And when you can't take any more down on the earth, God will take you home to heaven and you'll walk, get you walking on streets of gold and get you all amongst the myriads of angels. Hallelujah. We're going to have a time, bless God, and fulfill the purposes of God, which we don't know much about now. So get, you know, get what I mean? Get swamped with the love of God. Get used to the love of God. Get trained and fashioned by the love of God. Let the Holy Spirit enlarge your concept of his great 
mighty love. Hallelujah. And verse 19 says, to know the love of Christ. You may be able to apprehend or comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height. And to know, and that word know means experimentally, not just theory, experimentally. Every time you get a healing, you're tasting the love of God. Everybody, somebody, every, every time somebody gets saved, there's a new soul and, and you know, getting what Heike got. Got what you got when you got saved, that love you felt. Praise the Lord. And the verse, nine, verse 19 says, To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. It's just not all about the brain and the knowledge. It's experience. When God starts answering your prayers, you'll start striking up a right, a, a, a right good relationship. This is fantastic. I can pray and someone can come into the kingdom through my praying. Hallelujah. I can pray for the missionaries and they can feel the effects of my prayer out there on the mission field. Bless God. Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Huh? He tells us to ask. We can ask for so much. And then he says, <laughs> he says he'll do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. So friends, there's a, a colossal capacity out there waiting to be tapped. And churches are deigned by God, ordained by the Holy Spirit to be taken a hold of and to be strengthened to pray the will of God into existence. Isn't that marvellous? Hallelujah. To bind the devil, to bind the demons, to drive back the powers of darkness. It's exciting, isn't it? Praise the Lord. Exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Hallelujah. In Colossians chapter 1 verse 11, it says, Strengthen with all might. There's the word Greek in Greek word, the Greek word again, dunamis, according to his glorious power. Strengthen with all might according to his glorious power. And another word is a Greek word here is kratos, K R A T O S, which means might. So there's a different variety of Greek words to explain and describe this might, this power, this ability that's available. I'm glad there's a variety, it's not boring. It's fascinating that God would use by the Holy Spirit through Paul different words to describe it. And you can describe or you can experience what's described. You can experience as you pray and you exercise your faith and you get into courage, not backing off through half-heartedness, you will start to experience that happening in your life. And this power, this kratos, is an interesting power because many times when we think of power, we think power to heal, power to drive out a devil. But this is describing power that gives us, in a very, very trying situation, it produces patience in us. We find ourselves smiling. We find ourselves happy. We find ourselves singing. When in the natural, put yourself back into some of your old moods and you think, this is not what I'd be doing. <laughs> this is not what I'd be doing. But I am. What's this coming from? Where's this coming from? This is the Holy Spirit strengthening me. That's the same power that strengthened Paul and Silas in the jail in Philippi. They sang songs with their backs bleeding. 
in midnight and been de- done, dealt with unjustly. So unjustly they could have always, oh, poor me. Oh, I've been dealt unjustly, you know. Not fair. But they got past all that and got filled with the Holy Ghost as they sang praises. Learn to sing praises. Hallelujah. Unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. Not only gritting our teeth and bearing the situation, but being happy in it, being joyful in it, rejoicing in it. Maybe getting on our feet and having a dance. If they had a situation where it was not too good and so you thought the only way to do this is to get up and dance. I'm going to have a dance. Have a dance with Jesus. Hallelujah. I've done it. Praise God. Ephesians 6.10 says, Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. The Greek word here is iskus, and it means strength or power. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So we've got his power to work with and for, for it to flow through us. Do you know what? So many times when we think of praying for people, we think of our power. Well, I can't really help this person. But... Jesus, isn't he inside? Isn't he with you? Tap in, tap in. If you're not expecting it, if you're fearful that nothing will happen, well, you see, you're cutting off the supply. But exercise your faith. Rise up in faith. 2 Corinthians 10.4 For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty. Hallelujah. Here's another word, Greek, dunatos. It means able or powerful in God. For pulling down and demolishing strongholds. So there is a power that can flow through you in prayer by the Holy Spirit that can go into another person's mind and start to tear down the lies. Start to prepare the ground for the truth to get in there. Isn't that lovely? Isn't that wonderful? And I'll tell you what, if you and I don't exercise that kind of prayer for sinners, who's going to get saved? Because the Bible says the God of this world has blinded them lest they should believe, and the light of the glorious gospel should shine unto them. So we've got to get rid of that darkness. Someone's got to take authority over it. Your loved ones, your neighbours, your relatives, your workmates. You see, many times we wring in our hands, oh, I wish they'd get saved. Oh, dear, it's terrible the things they're doing. I hear them talk about these things at work. Take your authority. Take your authority in the spirit realm and start to bind that darkness, that filthy, ugly, evil water that flows around. Start to take authority over it. Open up the Red Sea. (laughs) You know what I mean? Start to take that authority. Jesus gave Moses a rod and he said, do this with it and do that with it. And you and I have authority. But you see, many times we don't exercise the authority because we're too used to being wimps, too used to uh, letting the, be- the experts do it. Right? We, we have got to learn to rise up and start to get strength. And as you notice, the scriptures I shared this morning, God gives strength as we call, as we press in. I think it's wonderful. These weapons of our warfare are not carnal. The name of Jesus. Praying in tongues. Quoting the word of God. Telling evil spirits to to be bound and get out. Amen. They're powerful in God for pulling down 
And I like the word that's used, demolishing. I like that word, Mark, demolishing. Not much left of it by the time you're finished. It's demolished. It's been crushed, broken. And that's how you've got to see the power of God that can operate through you by the Holy Spirit as you pray. Things can be smashed. Amen. They're only lies of the devil. They're not God's truth. They're only the lies of the devil. Do you want want to hear that again? They're only the lies of the devil. They're not the truth of God. Amen. He's the true God. They're only lies. And sometimes we're intimidated by them. And we back off. But God's waiting for you to say, I'm going to go into this. I'm going in the name of Jesus. I'm going to destroy this. I'm fed up with my neighbours looking like they're the children of hell. I'm going to start praying into the situation. You see, you can change things. But if the devil's intimidating you and says, well, you've got no power. God's in his heaven and you're just all alone here. You see, you've got to know the word. And you've got to stop being intimidated. What did Jesus say? Shall not faint. Shall not faint. But continue in prayer. 2 Corinthians 4.16 Therefore we do not lose heart. That was one of the other meanings. So I've written in there, we persist. Yes, you have to hang in there sometimes. It doesn't always happen straight away. Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Wonderful. We shared this before. Next. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. Have you heard that saying? Right? When the tough gets, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. Now, you can easily interpret that, can't you? Or when it gets tough around here, well, I'm going. That's what this is saying we should not do. When the going gets tough, we hang in there. We pour on the power more. We take the name of Jesus and, and, and use it more. We quote the scriptures more. We don't back off. You see, we are the ones that are being trained for heaven and God's service, not the devil, not hell. And we've got to learn to boss them around. We've got to learn to get them under our feet. We've got to use the power and authority that Jesus has given us. And so listen to this verse. It's at the bottom of the screen. Mark 9, 23. If, let's all say it together and out loud. Come on. If you can believe all things are possible to him that believes. Let's say it again. If you can believe all things are possible to him that believes. Now I want you to personalise it. If I can believe, say it. All things are possible to me that believes. Say it again. Boy, you need some practice. <laughs> God bless you. Keep practising. Keep practising. You'll, every time you say it, you'll believe it more. And it'll encourage you more. But God is looking for his saints to express his word, to boss the devil's powers of darkness around, to bind them, to shut them down. If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. Then the old saying, have you heard it? Winners never quit and quitters never win. 
You see, we can't be like Jesus spoke about in that parable. He said, you've got to keep on asking and not faint. Don't give up. We're not to quit. So it does pay to get your goal right before you start asking. Know that if you are going to start asking God for something, you're going to stick with it until it happens. If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. But you've got to believe that it's, you've got to believe it's believable. It's, it's attainable. And if you can't, then it may not mean that you've got to stop asking. It may mean time aside. Into the good word. Now I'm going to feed on this and I'm going to feed the scriptures that are going to minister to that particular need and I'm going to read them and meditate on them and build myself up until my, my faith is charged. Being on heaven's battery charge. Amen. And built up. And then I go into it confident in the Lord's ability to do it. Not mine. But you see, that's why we don't sustain our prayers sometimes. We don't sustain praying for people because we really don't know whether it'll happen or not or whether we really want it to happen. We, you know, we've got a, an idea, well, I'd like him to be healed, I'd like her to be saved and so on. But we, we have to really realise that we're the persons that God's relying on. God is relying on his saints, his people, to bring salvation. Blessed are they that bring good tidings on the mountains. Even the Bible says their feet are beautiful. Hallelujah. I have, had a, I have had a thought, and that is, what do we all need to face martyrdom? I'd like your attention, please. What do we all need to face martyrdom? If you were to face what some Christians are facing in the world today and what they've faced the last year, but dear me, it's been years and years and years now. Christians just keep on getting slaughtered, keep on getting slaughtered. What if it came here? Mark's intimated. They never know. We might be faced up with death because we're Christians. Have we got what it takes to lay our lives down, to leave everything behind and sudden death, sudden glory? It's challenging. I think that would take courage, wouldn't it? Take courage. So this, this message is relevant. And if it's not affecting you, it's affecting millions of Christians over there in the Northern Hemisphere. It's tragic. I'm sure you've read the things. hope you're not so isolated. You don't know what's going on. It's, it's horrific. Churches built, burned down. Homes raised to the ground. It's only love for God that's going to take us through. On that moment, what are you going to decide? Will you die for Christ or not? It'll determine, be determined by your love for him. Put your emphasis where it's needed. Build your love for him. Because 1 Corinthians 13.3 says, And though I give my body to be burned but have not love, it profits me nothing. Ooh, that's a bit of a shock. I'm prepared to die for Jesus, but if I don't have love, no gain. So can you see why we should major on the love? My love for Jesus, my love for the Father, my love for the Holy Spirit. Right, the final slide.
What can we learn from our Bible champions? I wrote down Abraham and Sarah because they are two people in the Word of God that deeply impressed me. In Romans chapter 4, verses 18 and 20, it talks about Abraham. It says that when he was without hope, he took faith and against the hope that was not there, he believed God. Isn't that exciting? That's terrific. He had to wait 25 years for his promised son to come. And Sarah had heard about this and so they had tried to have a child on their own and they had, oh dear me, his name's right there, Ishmael. And uh, that caused problems. But against hope, against hope, against hope, he believed. And can you see in many of the situations you and I have got to face and help change is they don't offer too much hope. I mean, does that, does that neighbourhood, that neighbour across the road or something, does the family, the way they conduct themselves, does that give you a lot of hope? A lot of it suggests hopelessness. But somebody's got to look past the hopelessness. Someone's got to rise up in faith and say, God can change this family. God can save this man. God can change things, and I'm in for it. Praise the Lord. I'm encouraging you, saints. We all need to be encouraged. We all need to have courage put into us, because that's what encourage means, to put courage in. But there's another session coming up on that later, so I didn't think I'd deal with that one today. Okay? We need courage. Otherwise, we'll just continue as we're doing. We won't develop in strength. I've got the thought down here a little bit further. Courage, exercises and strength. Even if you go to the gym to get built up, to get strong, to get fit, get trim, it takes courage. You're going to have to make a big decision. Out of bed earlier to get to the gym. You're going to have to pay the money for the gym. But then you've got to set yourself into a certain routine. You're going to have to do exercises and your body's going to exercise muscles that it hasn't exercised for a while and you're going to feel it. And you're going to be checked out as to whether you really want this or not. So you've got to have some courage and you've got to have a routine where you do exercises. But it's amazing as you keep on doing the exercises, what hurt starts to hurt less and as you continue, they get stronger and they even look a bit better in the mirror. The muscles, I mean. I, I did it for two years. Um, I started before I found out I had prostate cancer. And I went, through, went to the gym one whole year while I was getting prostate cancer treatment, even radiation. I was amazed. Praise God. But I, when I'd finished, I, I didn't go back to the gym. Certain reasons. Okay, you have to be disciplined. That's really the word, disciplined. But if you are disciplined, you will end up tapping the strength. Just ask Ray. <laughs> he knows all about the routines and, and exercises and so on. And some of you others do. I won't get a hand show. But it's encouraging. Now, if that happens in the physical, 
It happens in the spiritual. Are you prepared for the spiritual discipline? Reading the word of God first thing in the morning and having a time of prayer, it takes discipline because, oh dear, that's the most highly pressured part of the day, getting off, getting off to work, getting off to school and so on. We have to be disciplined. But it brings rewards. And when you see people starting to come to church, when you see people starting to change their minds, it's encouraging. When you see them getting saved, that's very encouraging. Hallelujah. But you see, we deprive ourselves of these blessings because we don't exercise ourselves. We don't press in. We don't persist. We, we think, well, someone else is going to do it. What backup team have you got if this doesn't work, Mark? See, see we, there's no plan B. We are the team. So we can't wait for someone else to come in and say, well, we'll do it for you. Just let us in. Just let us in. We have to do something. We have to change. We have to get fit. We have to think about lost souls. Amen. Stretch those muscles. Knees. Well, if your knees your problem, lie on your bed and pray. It won't matter, but pray. Hallelujah. Right. I love the attitude of Abraham and Sarah. They pressed in. And when God spoke to them, they laughed. Isn't that interesting? God put H-A in Abraham and he put A-H on, on Sarah. Instead of A-I, it was A-H. So with the two of them, you got ha-ha. Faith brings the ha-ha. And do you know what? God proves that because he said, you've got to name the child Isaac and that means laughter. So God's got to get the laughter into us. God's got to get the joy into us. God's got to get the fitness into us. If we're drab and dreary, you don't sort of hear those sort of people singing a song in the shower in the morning. We've got to learn to stir ourselves up and stir up faith. Now, I must go on with Joshua because time's gone virtually. Joshua chapter 1, God told Joshua to seek him, to abide in his word, let the word not depart out of his mouth, and to be strong and of a good courage. I read them. You can read them when you get home. Joshua chapter 1. Those verses are so significant because that was Joshua's exercise. That was his discipline. And praise God, he did it. And he ended up a mighty leader of the nation. Praise God. He developed a courageous faith. The only man in history is that stopped the sun and stop the moon he got the word into him in such a way that's what he dared to do isn't that wonderful that's fantastic that is fantastic he had the audacity and God almighty who looks after this huge universe that you can't detect the length of and the breadth of and the height and the depth of listened and, and stopped the sun Stop the moon. <laughs> Praise God. What a wonderful miracle. Well, in Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 8, we read about, about the men and warfare. And it says, Then the officers shall speak further to the people and say, What man is there who is fearful 
and faint-hearted. There's that word, two words, faint-hearted. Let him go and return to his house, lest the heart of his brethren faint like his heart. Friends, there's more to do with this faint-heartedness than just you. In the army, if they were so faint-hearted they didn't want to go to war, they'd pack them off home. They did not want a faint-hearted man on the front line with that attitude, with that spirit, because I tell you what, if it catches on with the other men, they'll be running. They'd say, keep them home. That's very telling for us, friends. You know, Are we making an effort that people can observe that we're making some effort for some progress, for some success, for some souls to be saved, so we're not discouraging people? We're encouraging them. We're praying for them. Are we backing them? Are we teaming up with them? See, we can leave it to others. But you and I are the cavalry. Be encouraged. Don't be put down. Don't be fearful. You must not fear. You must have faith. And you've got a great God. And if you don't have faith, listen to me, there's an easy solution. It's easy. God's got it. The hard part is you've got to tap into it. You've got to ask for it. You've got to humble yourself and say, Father, I'm fearful. I, I really am. I'm faint-hearted. I, I, I'm, dear me, Lord, I'm, I'm disgusting as far as making brave efforts concerned. Lord, I'm sick of it. I say, Lord, change me. Oh, God, change my heart. Change me. Fill me with courage. Help me to persist. Help me to get into the battle. Help me not to be fearful. One other story I want to tell you, it's found in Joshua chapter 10 about the five Amorite kings. The king of Jerusalem wanted to gather a big army with him to attack Joshua because he could see what God, that God was with Joshua and he had seen cities and that all cave in and make peace agreements with, with Joshua and he thought, dear me, if I don't get this big army together and we whip Joshua, we're all going to be in slavery. So he got his big army together, five kings all joined together. And they came against Joshua's friends and his friends called on him. Said, hey, they're attacking us. So you see, this man was industrious. He wasn't a wimp. He wasn't lazy. They marched all night and he got his whole army to do it. That's how well trained he had them. That's right. He had his army trained to march all night. That's commitment, isn't it? He, had, he was a good leader. He had really absorbed chapter 1 of, of uh, Joshua where he was told to be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. He, that had got into him. And he lived by it. That's what made him tell the sun to st stand still, the moon to stay still. He had great faith. He did. He, he let the word of God abide in him. Meditated in the word. You read, you read Joshua chapter 1. You know why he was such a mighty man of God. Anyhow, these kings all got together <clears throat> and uh, they ended up in a cave. They hid in a cave. So the Israelites came along and they just pulled some big stones over the mouth of the cave and lofted them in the cave. Went off and fought the battle, beat the five armies that had joined together and then they came back. When they came back, they opened up the caves, they brought all those five kings out. And then... 
Joshua got all his mighty men. And the Israelites, of course, were all gathered around. And this is what he did. Put those five men down on the ground. And one of you men each put your foot on his neck. Five kings with someone got their boot on their throat or their neck. And then he talks to them. He said, this is what God's going to do to your enemies. This is how to charge your troops up. I don't want you full of fear and faint-heartedness. The God that we serve can put all the kings that are against us under our feet. And that is the display that Joshua, under God's direction, gave to the Israelites. What was he doing? That demonstration was to drive fear out. Your enemies, I'll put them under your foot. What does it say in the Word of God about the devil? We can have the devil under our feet. He's under us. So I think that's a very encouraging story. That courage he got was from meditating in the Word of God. I'm closing with this verse of Scripture. My lovely wife, Patty, my lovely wife came to me just as I'd finished the notes last night. And she said, can I give you a verse? And I said, read it out to me. She'd just been reading a book by Joyce Meyer, Battlefield of the Mind. But in the book was this. She said, and it's from the Amplified Bible, Galatians 6, 9. And let us not lose heart. Think of it. This is the message I'd prepared. And Patty walks in at the end and said, can I give you a verse? Listen, listen. And let us not lose heart and grow weary and faint in acting nobly and doing right. For in due time and at the appointed season, we shall reap if we do not loosen and relax our courage and faint. Don't you think that was very timely? That's from the Word of God. That's for you. That's for you. We have an alternative. Will we faint? Will we loosen our grip? Or will we go in harder? Hallelujah. The Lord bless you and help you to be courageous. Amen? Amen. To be full of courage and strength. Amen. And be an encouragement to others. Remember, you are an example to your brothers and sisters. They're watching. And sometimes just what you do or say could mean the difference between them fainting or saying, I'm getting into the battle. Amen. Bless God. Let's stand together. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your word. We've read many verses from your precious word. And I thank you for that word going into the spirit of the people who have heard it today. Charge us, Lord, with the strength and the encouragement of your word. Thank you that faith comes by hearing and hearing by your word. Thank you that it's doing us good, Father. Thank you for good battles ahead and for mighty victories. And all the people said, Amen. Bless God.